Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shale. That's a Hebrew word, means the grave or the pit. Or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, our pleasures evermore. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word today and help me to communicate your word in a way that we can receive your word and be transformed by it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You can be seated. I guess I was just so excited to preach. I forgot to do offering. I I am excited. I was looking over my message again this morning, and I just feel like the Lord is really speaking on this subject of biblical prosperity. We uh, started this series last week, and and I want to continue on that theme. And and last week, we kind of introduced the topic and the promise to you of biblical prosperity. And our two scriptures that we kind of focused on, they're kind of the theme for the whole series, are 3 John chapter 2. This would be a great scripture to commit to memory. 3 John chapter 2, he says, Beloved, I will above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. Let's just say that together. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. And then John 10, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, the thief cometh not but to steal, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And the big, if you missed it, the big, the big idea of this entire series is God wants you to prosper. I believe that. I believe that because I've read the book. I believe that because I believe the book. And if you missed it, I want you to go back and hear the introduction because there's some weird stuff out there that's taught about biblical prosperity, but I want to make sure that you know we're not going there, okay? And so go back and listen to it if you haven't had a chance to because I want to remind you we're not talking about the biblical prosperity with the late night, you know, after the normal programming goes off and the preacher that paid for the advertising time comes on the screen and he says, if you'll send me a hundred dollars, I'll send you the ketchup packet with miracle spring water that, you know, somebody got out of a toilet somewhere in Israel and, and we, we've packaged it up and we're going to send it to you. And if you will take that miracle spring water and you'll sprinkle it on your wallet, then tomorrow you're going to get a check for a thousand dollars in the mail. That is foolishness. Okay. That is, that's, that's thievery in the church. That is, that is manipulation, and usually it's manipulating people who are poor, people who don't have that money to give in the first place. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about the biblical prosperity. You hear me? We're not going there. That's not who we are. But the scripture does say God wants you to prosper. 
He does want you, remember I told you the definition of prosper is to flourish, is to thrive, is to be successful. And not just to flourish and thrive at whatever you want to do, but to flourish and thrive and be successful in what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. He wants you to thrive in every area of your lives. He's the, he wants you to flourish in every area of your lives. He wants you to flourish and thrive spiritually. In your walk with God, in your spiritual maturity, in your uh, discipleship journey, he doesn't want you to stay a baby believer your whole life. He wants you to grow in your faith. He wants you to grow stronger in your faith. That's what we mean when we say he wants you to spiritually prosper. He wants you to prosper physically. Yes, that does include things like having enough money so that you can provide for your family and then be a blessing to someone else. Absolutely. Why would we not want that? If you got kids, if you got a family to support, why would God not want you to have enough to feed them? That's what we're talking about. And then not only to have enough to feed them, but a little bit left over to feed somebody else who doesn't have it. That's biblical prosperity. Okay? And so he wants you to have that. He also wants you to be healthy. He wants your bodies to be healthy. That's why we pray for healing. That's why we believe in that. But also, that's why we believe in living a healthy lifestyle. And I'm preaching to myself, the guy that ate a McDonald's cheeseburger last night at 9 o'clock. Okay? So I know, like, we're, we're all on a journey here, okay? No judgment. All right? He wants you to thrive and prosper emotionally and mentally. He says, I want you, your soul to prosper. Your soul, that's your mind. That's your emotions. That's, that's the condition of your heart. That's your mental health. He wants you to, to be internally healthy in your thought life and in your emotions. He, wants, he cares about your, your internal thoughts. He cares about your mind. He cares about the condition of your brain. And we'll talk about that in the coming weeks as well. But today, at, like last week, I kind of introduced it. God wants you to prosper. But today, I want to I focus in and teach you a little bit more practical on, on how to live in biblical prosperity. Living in biblical. How, how do you get there? How do we access it? How do we tap into it. So that's what we're focusing on today. And it's, it's, it's one thing to believe what the Bible says. It's another thing to actually walk in it, to live it, to experience it. And Psalm chapter 16, our text for today, it's a psalm by the Old Testament, King David, the king of Israel. And King David, he pins the words of this psalm, expressing in a poetic form how he has experienced God's blessing on his life and how he has experienced God's prosperity on his life. Now, you have to remember something about David. David did not start off super blessed. David did not start off wealthy. He did not start off powerful. He did not start off with influence. God found David in a field with some stinking sheep. When, when the prophet came to look for the next king and God said, go to Jesse's house, that's David's father, the prophet went through five, six, seven, eight other brothers saying, is this the one? Is this the one? That one's strong. That one's good looking. That one is smart. That one's got experience. That one's got leadership in him. And God said through every one of them, nope, that's not the one. Nope, that's not the one. Nope, that's not the one. He got through all the other sons. David was the youngest. He got through the line of all the sons and the prophet said, is there not another one? And Jesse said, well, there, 
there's my youngest boy, David. He's kind of scrawny. He's not the brightest. He's not the smartest. He's not the strongest. And he's out keeping the sheep. I didn't even call him in because I knew there's no way God would choose him. That's what your Bible says that. The Bible says something very important, though, in that passage of Scripture. In the book of 1 Samuel, he says, God, man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so, so he calls David in and, and, and God tells the prophet, he says, this is the man. This is the next king of Israel. This is the one I chose. Why? Because God looked at his heart. But David, he started out, he's just a shepherd boy. He has no experience. He has no wealth to speak of. In fact, as the youngest, he wasn't even going to get an inheritance from his daddy. He had nothing. He wasn't prosperous, but God saw him. And God saw a willingness inside of David's heart that he didn't see in anybody else. God saw a willingness to obey. God saw a willingness to follow. God saw a heart for God in David. And so God prospered him, not because he started out that way, not because he was born into the right family or the right position, but simply because God saw who he was, his heart. And he said, I can work with that. I can work with that. I can use this. He sees a tender heart toward God. He sees a, a, an obedient mind. He sees somebody that wants to serve God. And he says, I can work that. I can bless that. And he caused David to prosper in every area of his life until he took the shepherd and made him sovereign over all of Israel. See, too often I believe Christians live in and embrace a poverty mentality when it comes to the things of God. You know, we, we, we see someone that's really mature in their faith. You, you, you have this person. You, 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 we all know this person. Someone that, they, they have Jesus over for breakfast every morning. You know, they just talk to angels on a regular basis. They're just super spiritual. You know those people? They're just, they're always having a conversation with God. When they pray, it seems like it always comes through. They're super mature. They've got their life together. They love God. They're serving God. They're, God's blessing them. We see those people, we think, oh, they're goals. That's, I want to be that. I want to, I want to be that person. But then we think, well, I, I'll never get there. That'll never be me. I, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not clean enough. I'm not pure enough. I'm not, I'm not holy enough. And that's a poverty mentality. You say, no, you, you can have that kind of walk with God too. Our spiritual adversary, Satan, he comes and, and, and he reminds you often of your failures. He, he speaks into your mind about your mistakes and your flaws and your past. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I begin to believe those lies that Satan begins to speak into me. And, and I believe his lies instead of God's truth. And, and you start to think, you know, well, God, God's never going to bless me. I, I, I don't deserve it. God's never going to use me. I'm too much of a mess. God's never going to get me out of this. That's a spiritual poverty mentality. Or we simply don't know the word. We don't know what God has promised us in his word. So we don't know what it is much less how to live in it and how to access it. That's why we need the word of God and we need to be taught the word of God and spend time in the word. But a spiritual, a poverty mentality when it comes to the things of God. God's never gonna bless me. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't, God isn't worried about my life. God doesn't, no, listen, God cares and he wants you to prosper. But what happens is many Christians go through life living beneath their privilege, Many times we go through life and we live beneath our privilege. We go through life having the identity of royal sons and daughters of the king, but the mentality 
of orphans bound by poverty and slavery. We go through life. See, when you became to Christ, you immediately in that moment, when you became born again, you were born into a new family. You were born into the family of God. You were born into the kingdom of God. And you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You are royalty in the kingdom. And that's true. But how many knows you can be something but still think something else? You can be something and still walk in a different way. And you can have the identity of a king's daughter or a king's son, but you can have the mentality of a pauper. You can have the mentality of a slave. And so many Christians are in this place, I believe. And one of my goals as your pastor with this series is to stir up your faith to believe God, to believe that every promise in this book is yours through Christ Jesus. I want to stir up your faith to believe that your father is king over all and he never denies his children good gifts. I want you to believe that. I want to stir you up to believe that God is your provider. He is your healer. He is your way maker. He's your miracle worker. He's your burden bearer. He's your heavy load sharer. He loves and cares for you. I want to stir you up to believe that if you'll trust God with the 10%, he'll bless the 90% more than you could ever imagine. I want to stir up your faith to believe that if you'll step out in faith and do what God calls you to do, you'll watch him bless and multiply everything that your hand touches. I want you to stir up your faith to believe you can ask God for a miracle and expect him to do that miracle. I want to stir up your faith to believe believe that your heavenly father who loves you can heal your body, stir you up to believe that your heavenly father who loves you can give you victory over sin in your life. If you're born again, if you're walking with Jesus, you're not an orphan and you're not a slave and you're not broke and you're not a welfare statistic and you're not a failure and you're not a nobody. You are a beloved son or daughter and your father loves you and he has a plan for you to prosper you and give you hope and give you a future and to bless you. That's who you are. So Psalm 16, David is reflecting on his journey to biblical prosperity, how he's, how he's seen God do this in his life, and he's sharing it with us in a poem form, and he's teaching you and I the path to take so that we can walk in this kind of blessed life as well. And here's the number one thing that King David wants you and I to know about this subject. Biblical prosperity is birthed in relationship. Biblical prosperity is birthed in relationship. He starts off the chapter 16 with these words, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. He says, I'm, I'm claiming you. See, Lord is not just a, a, a spiritual word that we just, you know, like another name for God. Lord means something. The word Lord means you're the boss. The word Lord means you call all the shots. The word Lord means you are the ultimate authority in my life. That's why when the Bible says all it takes to be saved is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, because when you say Jesus is Lord, you better mean it. 
That's when you get saved. When you say, okay, I'm not just, you know, okay, the songs say Jesus is Lord. I've heard other people say it. No, I'm saying you are my Lord. I'm submitting to you and your lordship in my life, and I'm establishing relationship with you. And so, so David is saying, the first thing you've got to get right if you want to have a biblically prosperous, biblically blessed life is you've got to have a relationship with the Lord. You've got to be in right relationship with the Lord. See, if we want to receive from God, we have to learn to run to God and rely on God. We have to learn that he is our source and our provider. We have to learn that he is our primary relationship. If we want to receive what he has for us, we can't be running from him and expecting to receive from him. David says, I run to you because you're my refuge. I call you my Lord because I have found that without you, I have nothing good. That's what this scripture is saying. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, with God, with your Lord, you'll never experience all that he wants to bless you with. So first step, you got to have, you got to be right with Jesus, man. If you, if you don't hear anything else today, if you're here, if you're watching online and you would say, you know what, I want to live a blessed life. I want to be prosperous in all the things that I do. The first step is you have to give your life to Jesus. There has to be a relationship with your creator. He says, Lord, I take refuge in you. That means that there was something pursuing David. There was something hunting David down, something threatening him. And But instead of David trying to fight whatever it was on his own, he ran to the Lord for safety and for help. He said, I can't fight this thing on my own. I can't get victory on my own. On my own, there's nothing good in me. I'm not strong enough. I need to run to the Lord, and I need to make him my Lord. See, true relationship with God happens when we run to him for his saving power, when we run to him to be our rescue and our refuge, but we stay with him for his leadership and his lordship. It's one thing to, when things get tough, start praying. I mean, atheists do that. It's another thing to realize I'm in trouble and start praying and keep praying. It's one thing to run to God when you're in a tough spot. It's another thing to run to God when you're in a tough spot and then say, I actually got myself in this tough spot. And maybe if I stick with you and listen to your leadership and your guidance, then maybe I won't be in as many tough spots. That's what David is saying here. My relationship with God, he says, is not just running to him when I'm in trouble. My relationship with God is I'm submitted to him for the long haul. I'm submitted to him as my master and my Lord and my guide. True relationship happens when we stay with him for his lordship, his guidance, and his leadership. And here's the alternative. There is an alternative. You don't have to do this. The alternative is to not run to the Lord. David says this, I ran to you, God, and I I, I made you my refuge, and I made you my Lord, but there's others who didn't. Look at verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Here's what I want you to know. Everybody is serving a God. Everyone is. 
It might not be a pagan idol. It might not be a statue. It might not be Buddha or Allah. But everybody has a God that they're serving. Money can become a God. A substance can become a God. Another person can become your God. The economy can become your God. Politics can become your God. Your job can become your God. And David says, I've lived long enough to realize that whatever God you serve will determine your outcome. Whatever you make your God, you will become like and you will become enslaved to. And those who have chosen other gods, their sorrows, he says, multiply over and over again. Only through a relationship with the one true God, the one who created you, the one who knit you in your mother's womb, the one who knew you before you knew you, the one who who calls you by name, only that God can truly prosper you. And the result is this, David says in verse 5, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Isn't that awesome? He's saying, you know what? I've chosen God and things are lining up in my life. Think about this. I've chosen to make God not just my refuge, but my Lord. I've chosen to make him the primary relationship. I've chosen to make him the master of my life. And things are lining up in my life. How many of you could have that testimony? You said, when I chose Jesus, things started lining up. Come on. We got any Christians in the room? Hello? My goodness. Y'all got to get with me. I know it's cold outside. I know we got to get with it. All right? Listen. How many of you could say... When I found Jesus, things started to line up better in my life. Yeah, absolutely. If it, if it doesn't, then what are we here for? Come on now. But when I chose him, things started lining up in pleasant place. I'm not saying it was always easy, but it was better. I'm not saying it was always just, you know, smooth sailing. But I had somebody with me. I wasn't by myself. Things did get better. So, biblical prosperity is birthed through relationship. Number two, biblical prosperity is accessed through obedience. Verse 7 and 8, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is my right hand and I will not be shaken. He's saying, I bless the Lord because when I made him Lord, he started leading me. And when I started following him and doing things his way, things started working out better and things started to prosper in my life. See, there's something about obedience that matters. There's something about obedience that makes things go smoother in life. We, we often treat the Bible, we often treat God's law, God's ways, God's instruction. We often treat them as just a list of rules to keep us from stuff, don't we? We, we, oh, this, this is the thing, this is the book of things that we're not supposed to do, and it's a lot of pages in this book. That's how we often treat the Bible, right? But God's word, David says, his instructions, they're not rules that keep us from stuff. They're instructions and guidance and wisdom that lead us to the stuff he wants to bless us with. And when you start seeing the word of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in that aspect, instead of, well, God told me not to do something, actually to say, oh, well, God told me to do something. And if I do this, God will bless me and prosper me. That is a better way to look at the word of God. That's a better way to look at the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because your level of blessing is determined by your level of obedience. It's just that simple. Your level of blessing is determined by your level of obedience. 
Now, the opposite is true because God never blesses disobedience. You say, oh, that sounds mean. That's harsh. That's not very nice, God, that you wouldn't bless me even when I disobey. Here's why. Because he knows the paths of life. He's never going to bless something that's destroying you. He's never going to bless something that's going to hurt you. He's never going to bless something that isn't for your good. And so if you're disobeying, that means you're going against what he knows is best and what is good. So he can't bless that because he loves you. He's not going to cause something to succeed that will ultimately destroy you. He's not going to cause something to flourish in your life that ultimately is not for your benefit. So he can't bless disobedience. He won't because he loves you too much to bless disobedience. He cares for you and is never going to cause you to succeed in sin. He cares for you and he's never going to cause you to flourish and thrive in something he didn't call you to do. Here's something I learned in my life. Every act of obedience is a seed. Any gardeners in the room? You have a seed. And, and, and when, you, when you step out and you obey God... You stop doing what he told you to stop doing. You start doing what he told you to start doing. You went and prayed for that person he told you to pray for. You took that job or that assignment. You did what he led you to. When you step out in obedience, it's like you're planting a seed for your life. Now, the thing about planting seeds is planting seeds usually have very little impact in the present. When I plant a seed, nothing instantaneously happens. Here in a month or so, we'll start planting our gardens and we'll start, we'll start kind of preparing things and you might go and sow a seed. You're not going to expect to see anything happen that day or even the next day. It might be a week or two before you start to see anything come up. And then it might be a month or two before you produce any fruit from that thing you planted. Because seeds usually have little impact in the present, but they're always an investment for the future. So every act of obedience, it's like a seed. You might not see immediate results from your obedience, but you can have faith you planted a seed. Your act of obedience isn't for today. Your act of obedience is for what God wants to do in your life tomorrow, next week, next year. Your act of obedience isn't to change. Listen, this, and I worked with addicts for many years. The first day of saying no to that substance, it's hell. There's, there's nothing enjoyable about it. There's nothing fun about it. It's, it's not going to be fun. You're not going to love it. You're going to think, why am I doing this? But over time, every day that you say no to that substance that's controlling your life and yes to God, you're planting a seed and it might take you a while to see the harvest of what you planted, but eventually the lines are going to start falling for you in pleasant places and things are going to start lining up in your life. That's what obedience to God is like. So I want you to get in your heart 
that if I'm going to obey God, I'm going to align my life with his word and I'm going to start to step out in faith and do what God called me to do. Go where he called me to go. Say what he told me to say. Start what he told me to start. Stop what he told me to stop and obey. And don't be discouraged when you don't see anything happen on the surface. It looks like nothing has changed, but you planted a seed and it was your obedience. You started tithing and that planted a seed. Don't be surprised when things don't change immediately. You quit drinking. You planted a seed, but don't be surprised when things don't seem better immediately. You prayed for that person. You planted the seed, but don't be surprised when that thing doesn't happen instantly. It's not that the obedience didn't work. It's that the harvest just hasn't come yet. On the surface, it still looks like a pile of dirt. But beneath the surface, God is birthing something and God is growing something. And the more seeds of obedience you sow, the greater the harvest will be in due season. That's the way obedience works. Now, a couple more things before we go. Let's look at the last few verses of Psalm 16. Brother David says here in verse 9, Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul or let my holy or let your holy one see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Two last things. Biblical prosperity is nurtured in his presence. If relationship is what begins the process and if obedience is what accesses the the benefits then then time in his presence in prayer and worship in your personal time in God's word in your prayer closet in the church house it's like the fertilizer that you're putting on the seed that you planted It's like the thing that keeps you stirred up and believing. It's the thing that keeps you plugged into your source. And so, so, you know, while you're waiting for the seed to develop into a harvest, you spend time in his presence that builds your faith for what God is going to do in the future. See, David said, I didn't just run to your presence when I was in trouble. He said, I remained in your presence because I found you to be faithful. And, and, and I, I, I just want to encourage you, you know, we talk about Bible reading, we talk, but, but, you know, so many times it, it turns into a chore, it turns into a thing. And, you know, if you, if you started at the beginning of the month, a year long Bible reading plan, you're probably in like, you know, Leviticus at some point and it gets hard and it's rough. I, listen, instead, what if it was just, I want to meet with God today? What if it was just, I, I'm going to spend... 5, 10, 20, 30, whatever you can, and say, I'm going I'm to talk to the Lord, and I'm going to listen for him to speak to me through his word or speak to my heart, and I'm going to give him some time. I'm going to spend time in his presence. I'm going to be in church. And I'm not going to rush out the door and they dismiss. I'm going to spend time at the altar because this is the place where we linger in his presence. This is where we spend time with him, and I'm going to build my faith and believe, and, and I'm fertilizing the seed that I've already planted. I'm believing for a big harvest. I'm believing God is going to prosper me spiritually, physically, and mentally. I'm believing that, and I'm spending Spending time because sometimes I it's it's hard to believe that it's hard to wait for the harvest and sometimes it's a, a struggle and so I need to nurture that faith and I need to nurture that that thing that God's doing and how I do that is in His presence. That's what David says when he says, "I'm going to dwell with you and because of you, I, I because I'm with you and because I'm in your presence, I, my soul rejoices, my heart is glad." 
and you're making known to me the path of life. You're leading me. I'm hearing you speak to me so I know what to do next. I'm listening to your word and reading your word so I know where to go next. That's what happens as biblical prosperity is nurtured in his presence. And lastly, biblical prosperity results in peace and joy. He says, my flesh dwells in security. You make known to me the paths of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. My mind is at peace. I'm dwelling in security. I'm not, I'm not running in fear. I'm not, I'm not being blown about by every wind of change and every fad and every crisis that's happening all around me. I can stand secure because I've... I've been obedient. I've got the relationship. I'm spending time in your presence. I'm not fretting. I'm not worrying. My mind is at peace. So I'm no longer living as a slave to fear because my security is in you. I just want to pray in just a moment. We're going to be here in the altar. Do you need peace today? Do you need the peace of God that passes all understanding? Part of this thing called living a blessed life or living in biblical prosperity, it's not about the money you have. It's not about the stuff you have. It's about the condition of your heart and of your mind. And God is so tired of you living in chaos. And he's so tired of you having to struggle through the the cloud and the confusion. He wants you to have peace, perfect peace, peace that defies expectation Peace that says, you know what? The whirlwind can be going all around me, but I shall not be moved. I, I, I'm, I'm okay even when things, everything around me is shaken. Somebody in the room today, I just hear, this is the word of the Lord for you. God wants to give you peace in your mind. He wants to give you peace in your heart. And then he says, I dwell in security and I dwell in your presence where there is fullness of joy. hesitate to say this because someone's going to misinterpret what I'm saying and say, well, sometimes people suffer and all that. Yeah, I get that, but I I think God wants you to enjoy life. That doesn't mean that there aren't ever, ever struggles and there aren't ever hard times, but you can find joy even in the midst of those. You can find joy in the midst of the hard days. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the things he wants to steal most of all is your joy in life. And Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. He says, if you'll spend time in my presence, there is fullness of joy. And then elsewhere in the scripture, it says, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. So what if that's a formula? What if the formula is I need to be in his presence so I can have joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength and I need strength to get through the struggle. And so maybe instead of saying, well, I'm just going to be grouchy through the struggle, <laughs> saying I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the presence of God and find my joy so that his joy can bring me strength. And then I can have joy in the struggle. First Peter 1.18 says, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Y'all remember that song? There is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory. You can have that. You can have that kind of joy. That's how you ever meet people 
life is really messed up, but they're still walking in joy. They're still okay. They're not fretting. They're not afraid. That's because they've got something that, that we all need. We need that security and we need that joy. In fact, Romans 14 verse 17, Paul is dealing with this and he's saying, the kingdom of God biblical prosperity, the abundant life that God has for you. It's not about meat and drink. It's not about what you have and what you don't have. It's not about what you do and don't do. It is for righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You, you're the kingdom of God, you, salvation, you, being in the family of God, biblical prosperity, being blessed by God. It's not about what you've got. It's about what God's doing in you. And that is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's biblical prosperity. So today as Pastor Katie comes, I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. Do you need peace today? Do you need peace in your mind and your heart? peace in your emotions, peace in your home, peace in your relationship, peace in your joy, financial peace, peace in your marriage, peace in the thoughts that fill my head. Do you need peace today? There's peace for you today at the altar. Would you come and spend time in his presence? Do you need joy today? Do you need strength today? Do you need victory over darkness, victory uh, to, to... to see life again in living color, joy that, that, that brings refreshment and brings strength and brings restoration, then there's joy for you at the altar today. It starts with the relationship. I've got to have the relationship with Jesus. Then as the relationship goes, there's going to be a time where he calls me to obey him in some things. And when I begin to obey him, that's when I'm planting seeds to access that biblical prosperity he has for me. And then as I'm waiting for the seed to bring forth the harvest, I'm going to spend time in his presence because it's in his presence that that biblical prosperity is nurtured and God begins to build my faith to believe for him him for new things and, and believe him to move in my life. And the results are joy and peace. And so today, as we spend time at the altar together, I just want to encourage you. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? If you don't, today is the day to start it. Has he been speaking to you about something you need to obey him in, but you haven't yet? You've been afraid to. You've been worried how it's going to work out. You're not sure how it's going to look. Listen, just take that step in obedience. Plant the seed. Plant the seed of obedience and watch God begin to prosper it. Or maybe you say, you know what? I'm in the waiting season and I just, I I need to nurture my faith and I need to build my faith to believe God for the next thing and to believe God for the harvest that's coming. Then spend time in his presence today. Pastor, I just need a refreshment of joy and peace from the Holy Spirit. So I want to spend time in his presence and just receive from the Lord. Father, as I begin to pray, as we begin to spend time in the altar today, would the peace of God that passes all understanding rest on each heart and each mind. Father, as we pray, would you begin to uh, stir up faith to believe you for the harvest. Stir up faith to believe you that you're making things line up and that the lines are falling in pleasant places for us. 
Lord, would you begin to uh, restore joy where there, where the thief has stolen our joy? Would you restore uh, joy where where the enemy has tried to come in and and brought a cloud of darkness? And so, Lord, would would darkness leave this morning and light be restored because of the power of the Holy Spirit in this place? Lord, would you begin to pour fertilizer on every seed of obedience that's being planted and has been planted? Lord, we pro- we call the harvest in. We call, Lord, that bounty in. We call that abundance in. We ask, Lord, that you would make it happen in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that when we are in trouble, we can run to you because you are our refuge and our strength. You are our Lord. Apart from you, there is no good. So, Lord, we call on you. We run to you in our time of need and in our time of trouble. But we don't leave. We stay with you because you're our Lord and you're our master. Lord, bring peace and joy today in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.